0: Welcome back to another episode of the movies a self-explanatory podcast my name is daniel barrios and today i'm going to be talking about two films from director rob savage host and Dashcam. in a segment i'd gleefully like to call the covid duo because covid's when rob savage from uk got his start uh broke out in 2020, the middle of 2020, with Host, which is about a group of friends who hire a medium to perform a seance over Zoom. And it, you know, in a time when a bunch of movies were getting pushed back a couple years into the future, Host comes out and is fully dealing with the pandemic. It's got talks about lockdown, quarantine, characters wearing masks, the whole thing takes place during Zoom, it's fully taking advantage of the technology in order to make some art happen. And that sort of snapshot of the times is evident in his follow-up, Dashcam, which is about a woman who travels to England to meet up with some friends. The reason it's called Dashcam is because she does this live stream musical freestyling show in her car. And when she's over there, meets this person who asks her, Hey, I need you. Can you grab my friend and take her to go get some help? She's sick. It's the sick elderly woman. And of course, nothing is as it seems. It gets to be a horror vibe, that whole thing. But dash cam also takes place in an environment where there's nobody at the airports. People are still wearing their masks. You know, the vaccine is there's rumblings of it, but it's not quite in full swing yet. There's still a lot of restrictions, this whole environment of COVID and of the pandemic being a present thing and people still being wary and leery of it it's featured in both of his films and it's kind of why I wanted to talk about them I saw dash cam first and I thought that movie was so leaning into again a snapshot of the times that I kind of wanted to look back and get a little bit of a host in there too I'm gonna try not to speak spoilers as I normally don't But if I end up slipping for something like Host, I apologize. I'm going to really try not to do it for dash cam, but just a fair warning. I'm going to start with Host because it's the very first one. Host, the most evident thing, again, the whole thing takes place over Zoom. We're seeing, much like Unfriended, much like any screen horror movie that you've seen in maybe the past couple of years, it's all shot on the computer screen. It's all shot through Zoom. Characters coming in and out. Uh, six friends, I believe, played by. Let's scroll up here. Uh, da, 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 da. We got Haley Bishop, Gemma Moore, Emma Louise Webb, Radina Drandova, Carolyn Ward, and Edward Leonard, as you know, basically playing themselves, or at least their characters are named after themselves. I think, I think except for Edward Leonard. Uh, he's playing the guy, Teddy. But, you know, you got Haley, Gemma, Emma, Radina, Caroline. And uh, their median is played by Salem Baxter, who is playing Salen. She's out there introducing them to this world and saying some stuff like, you know, we can still communicate with spirits even though we're not together. Because in most horror movies, you know, everybody's grabbing hands. They've got a candle in the middle. They're closing their eyes. They're in a circle. But... This movie's introducing the idea that as long as there's a form of communication, spirits can still be contacted, which is something that I think is cool. You know, you watch any Ghost Hunter show and they've got some electromagnetic uh, pulse or detector to try to get, uh, figure out what frequency the ghosts are operating in. And shit, BuzzFeed Unsolved does that weird like radio thing where they're trying to get the ghost to speak through a certain radio frequency. So, it doesn't seem so far out of the realm of imagination that, you know, the ghost could be summoned via the technological advances that we have now, the, the internet, of zoom, etc. Uh, I found with this that uh, maybe it's just this feeling of the kind of omnipresence of COVID. And maybe I've there's a part of me that thinks maybe I'm leaning too far into the COVID thing, but I can't help but feel it. You know, the the idea that these friends who, you know, I'll give credit where credit's due. The acting's pretty good in this one. They behave like they're friends. They behave like they're dicking around. They behave. There's something that I really appreciated, which was the sort of appreciation between the characters, the comfort that they have there is a feeling that they haven't seen each other in a while or they haven't gotten to interact and really be together as friends. And so there's that sort of warmth and comfort and that sort of like almost sigh of relief among the whole cast when they see each other that does give it that feeling of, man, how long has it been since we've been able to kind of gather and be friends and be together and kind of talk just as friends again? Because of this whole COVID thing. But of course, they listen to all the rules about the seance. So one of them doesn't take it seriously. And because one of them doesn't take it seriously, the whole thing goes to shit. And I can't help but have this nagging feeling in the back of my head. You know, this virus comes out, this pandemic comes out. You've got people that are a little bit more apprehensive about it than others. They're still kind of not sure what really to make of it but they're really not going to be the ones to play around with it there are people that play around with it and when they play around they get hurt and they start getting other people hurt and so i like the way that savage is able to kind of use the fears of the day and drape it in genre this uh you know and, and really the movie plays just like a ghost slasher i mean if you've seen something like unfriended you've seen the basic plot points of this thing which is maybe one of the movie's biggest detriments is just for something that is can be seen as so fresh which has some pretty good ideas i like that this movie takes the medium of zoom uh especially with like people are able to change their backgrounds or use face filters and i like that the movie introduces that kind of stuff and Utilizes it well when it comes to delivering on scares or letting you see where the ghost is—that kind of thing. That stuff is pretty freaking cool. I like that they're able to take advantage of like some of the technolog- technologies of the day. Like one of the women is able to basically put her phone on a selfie or a camera on a selfie stick and raise that up into the attic so as not to see what maybe goes bump in a night. You know, I like stuff like that. Just the sort of tech uh, there's something tactical not not technical oh god what's the word Uh, tactile tactile yeah there's something tactile about it I just like being able to kind of introduce technology and maybe expand on a concept that can originally seem kind of limiting I mean, you got a computer, how many assholes like, are going to run around with a laptop when they're being chased by a ghost or whatever the hell? Or how many people are just going to like still be on a Zoom call? And that's stuff that's of this genre. You kind of have to ignore it. That's just stuff that's part of the horror movie. You wouldn't have the movie if everybody's dropping their cameras all the time. But I also like that technology allows us to take something that is normally a limiting medium and kind of expand it a little bit or give it a different texture or a flavor, so to speak. Uh, I like the editing in this. I like that sometimes the scares will be just really minimized in the corner when you see the full windows of everybody's uh, screen at once. And then there are sometimes where I'm sort of forced to see the one screen and the one image and kind of be uh, stuck you know, staring at what's going on. I really like the framing of some of these uh, windows too. There's always like one person just smack dab on the left-hand side and I'm forced to look into the negative space and I'm waiting for something to come out and there'll be a door behind somebody that I almost expect the door to open and the person be dragged through the back. You know, I like uh, that the framing ranges from me having to look at complete darkness to see if the monster's there or to look to see if a door is going to open or look to see if something in the background very small is going to move slightly just that kind of stuff is a way that you can kind of orchestrate so many possibilities of scares without one overwhelming the audience two wasting a lot of time with a bunch of setups Uh, and a bunch of like individual scenes of them being hunted by this weird demon that's going to be stalking them. Uh, I like that I can kind of see that stuff all at once, and it's forcing me to look all around the screen. Uh, As a horror fan, there's a thing that kind of bothers me about this one. It is very much a jump-scare, startle film. It's a movie that, if you don't like loud, startling noises... I don't think there's much else beyond it. For as good as this movie can be about building tension and really sort of ratcheting up the dial onto what's going on, or like just uh utilizing really cool like in camera tricks to make this thing this ghost like uh, available or pop up or something like that. Whenever I do see what's going on, it's very quick. It's sort of like, uh, it's almost as if you were riding a roller coaster that's about 100 feet tall, and you're expecting a 100-foot drop. You're expecting something amazing. But when you finally get to the drop, it only drops maybe about like 20 feet before riding you down a different part of the tracks. I mean, it's still fast. It's still a drop. But why spend all that time on that buildup, you know? never really paid off as much as i wanted it to so that's kind of one of the faults i have with this thing is that it's less than an hour long which means everything goes by really quickly but i found like it's so stuck on the tension and it's so is ratcheting this thing up then when i finally get that release it's super quick it's kind of anticlimactic and doesn't really hit as hard as I think it should but the things to praise in this movie are the acting I do like the performers in this I do like some of the special effects that there's some stuff that I'm kind of stunned they got away with or they figured out how to do I don't know if like green screen is so good that you can make someone look like they're like 50 feet in the sky or whatever these are like really 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 slow budget movies but they're the facts that they're able to pull off are pretty damn good. Uh, just, I can't imagine that this was a very easy task to accomplish, especially given COVID. So there's some respect for this, and I understand why it really stuck with people and why people really liked Host. I don't think it's the greatest movie in the world, but as a COVID movie, as a movie that's definitely tapping into that isolation and that feeling that you anybody could be a victim or everybody could be a victim with like one wrong step or one wrong turn i think it's definitely tapping into the paranoia of the time which leads me into the brand new movie this it feels like a sequel and not just because it's kind of like more of the COVID, there's also like a lot of the same characters, a lot of the same people are back in this movie, like Carolyn Ward and Gemma Moore and Edward Leonard, Leonard and uh Ceylan Baxter is back playing another character named Ceylan. Uh, the guy who plays uh, the monsters or the ghosts in both movies, James Swanton, he's in here as well as... Whatever is chasing after Annie, uh, played by Annie Hardy, who's playing a kind of version of herself. Uh, She's... This movie's fucking abrasive. It's the first thing that came out of my mind, and I know somebody's going to be insulted by this, and in a way I don't mean to say this to be reductive, but it feels like I'm watching a... It feels like I'm watching a movie made by somebody who is fed a steady diet of Death Grips and Pepe LeFrog, it's just so in-your-face and just visually noisy and jagged. And so, like, the camera is totally not afraid to be completely fucking incomprehensible because that's kind of the vibe of the movie. A lot of it is shot from the point of view of a laptop webcam. And it features Annie Hardy. Annie Hardy is this musician, podcaster, influencer that has been around LA forever, for like almost the past 20 years. She's been hanging around in some form of capacity in some bands. And uh, most, I guess, infamously, or at least for people who are fans of this band, most infamously, she's the lady on... Deftones pink cell phone from Saturday Night Rest. The one who's in the background saying, Belief in the one true power, but then goes on this like two and a half minute rant or this weird spoken word about like blowjobs and English butt fucking. Like, it's very bizarre. And this woman's kind of bizarre too, but she's playing a more exaggerated version of herself. Annie has not ever been one to really. She's not into vaccination. She's not into wearing masks. She's not into covid at all. Uh totally believes it's a hoax and that's what this character's bringing in. She's here like covid's a myth. She's a, she's rude as hell. She is totally willing to just shock and offend and fuck with people just for the pure pure joy of attention and fucking with people. And Seems to think that if she can present herself as the ultimate contradiction, that she can get, you know, eyeballs on her project or what have you. And so she's got this Twitch fandom that is one of my favorite parts of this movie is just looking at the comments and seeing what ridiculous shit people are doing. There's a part of Dash Cab where, especially when the horror starts kicking in when you see the comments that's basically reacting as the audience they are the greek chorus in her life saying what the hell are you doing get the fuck out of there this ain't funny somebody call the cops or just like yeah keep fucking with her see what happens you know like tits or gtfo that kind of vibe and again feels very much of the moment for better and especially for worse uh, Annie's a fucking shit, she's somebody who will definitely, who, like, smacks the fuck out of her friend with, while they're in their sleep, she's somebody who's completely fucking disrespectful towards, uh, the girlfriend of her friend Stretch, uh, Stretch played by Amar Chadapatel, who is, like, an old bandmate friend in England, and, uh, he's now dating this woman named Gemma, played by Gemma Moore, and the only reason there's a difference between the Gemma and Host and the Gemma and Dashcam is because the Gemma and Dashcam has a G instead of a J. That's pretty much fucking it. And, uh, There's also, like, I, I kinda like movies like this where, you know, you know a director has a good rapport with a bunch of friends, so it just looks like they're recycling friends for the same stuff, like, uh... I can imagine Rob just calling these people and being like, hey, are you free this weekend? Cool, let's go make a movie. There's a little bit of like joy in there. But Annie's completely disrespectful to Gemma. Whenever they're going out to a restaurant, she refuses to wear a mask and throws a scene, and she is just loud and obnoxious and a complete fucking asshole. And then comes across this uh, lady. I think it is Salen, uh, Salen, who's asking her, "Hey, there's this lady who needs my who needs help. This lady Angela. She's my friend. She's sick. Can you help her? Can you take her where she needs to go?" And Annie, who doesn't give a fuck about anything... Annie doesn't wear a mask. You think she's gonna worry about some sick lady? Nah, fuck it. She's like, look, I'll pay you. Just take this lady where she needs to go. she's like, okay, what the fuck ever. And then some fucking supernatural weird shit starts going down. And it turns out Angela is not all there. And Angela is not all, you know, just... Helpless, sick old lady. And so when shit starts getting weird and crazy and off the fan, it, this movie's bizarre because I think it's going to take genre and really turn it against us. Like, Annie Hardy is the type of character that I. I don't want to survive a horror movie. I don't want to follow through the whole thing. Like, this is the kind of person that you'd imagine is the first kill in an 80s movie. Like if I'm watching something like uh if I'm watching something like fucking Slaughter High, I imagine Annie Hardy to be maybe number two or three on the kill list. But she's our protagonist. She's the person we're following. And again, I found that kind of funny because of course, this type of person would be here. This type of person who's gonna fly on the airport with a mask that says this is my like slave suit or something like that, who's gonna make a rocket. Like, who else would be outside fully risking all the fucking bodily chaos that could come with a pandemic? Who else would be involved in a movie about a monster that? Is launching shit and blood and viscera. There's a lot of body horror in this, and Annie is almost completely unafraid to deal with it. You know, she's not afraid to like get like bodily fluids on herself, she just doesn't care. And so, what I kind of found about this was you'd think that something crazy or something of horror movie proportions that happens to someone would basically give them a change of heart, you know? But it doesn't. Annie is a shit throughout. She's making crude offensive jokes throughout the worst parts of this movie. When the shit really hits the fan, when there are monsters chasing after them, she's still basically who she is. And it made me think, like, wow, this is basically commentary on the people who treat COVID like it's a hoax, who don't care. And you have to think, like, what is it going to take for you people to take this thing seriously? And really what I found based on this one was just it takes you being pretty much dead. These people, as long as they are ultimately able to kind of like get out of whatever scenario and we see it i mean annie is surviving shit where if any other person is in the movie is involved they're fucking dead but somehow annie's getting away with all of this shit because there are no actual consequences for throughout a lot of this movie i understand that she wouldn't take like she wouldn't change her behavior she wouldn't be different it's because she thinks she's fucking invincible and what's funny about horror genre and about slashers and about monster movies and about just you know this even the concept of the final girl is that it betrays this sort of moral play that i think the movie might be like ultimately interested in going with but it doesn't work that way because it's a horror movie you know Like morality tells me that somebody like Annie who is willfully ignorant and a piece of shit should not be doing this well in this horror movie and yet somehow she is. And of course somebody who completely disregards the craziness of a virus and the thing that has killed people that has devoured them. She actually openly says to one of the waiters in the movie, like, sir, do you know anybody who's died of COVID? It's like, uh, yeah, a lot of people have died of COVID. And yet I can't imagine but her thinking that, like, the shit that happens to them, the monster they're being chased by, as long as it's not actively fucking with her, it can fuck with anybody else in the movie. She won't bat an eye. Because she's selfish. Because she thinks she's invincible. Because she thinks that somehow she's better than everyone else just because of, I guess, her opinion or her point of view, etc. And that's what I found so, like, wickedly funny about this. Like, of fucking course you would make it, asshole. You cockroach of the earth surviving a nuclear bomb. Like, of course you would fucking... Be able to handle all of this shit. And I completely understand. Where a lot of people are coming from. Really loathing this thing. Uh, I mean. You've got slurs being slung. Everywhere in this film. And Annie is a fucking abrasive. Abrasive character. Uh, One of my favorite comments. Was Drew McQueenie calling it. The Trump Witch Project. (laughs) (laughs) Cracked me up. And. I, I don't think the movie's, like, really making a commentary... The movie's not commenting on this type of person, I think. I don't think it's uh really uh, interested in sort of taking a stand and making sort of a moral judgment on a character like Annie. It's just kind of presenting it. And by presenting it without that, I guess, moral context, does that make it irresponsible? Or does that just make it like telling a story about an unlikable character do we need that responsibility in our media and i can't say i'll demand it i feel like that is not the answer to go uh i would like to see what savage has to think about that like i wonder what savage thinks about his movies in context of the time that he's making them that this is covid like is this a movie about somebody who doesn't you know respect people who thinks she's invincible who thinks that the worst things in the world that have impacted so many are never going to be able to touch her and because of that that gives her in her mind carte blanche to go around and be an asshole because she thinks she's superior to everybody else does this come out of some insecurity does this come out of uh I, I don't know what it comes out of, but this movie is so weird and so unapologetically fucking with you that I I really don't know what to make of it. It doesn't really even work as a horror movie because the cinematography is so shaking. It's so violent. It's so DIY, and there's a lot of glitching that comes with the computer, the laptop version uh there are parts of the movie which suck where uh, the twitch fans basically leave because the connection isn't strong enough so all i'm watching is just the laptop footage and there's some stuff that's creepy here and there but then again it's just you know a lot of shaking some screaming and doesn't really totally work as a horror movie it didn't really freak yeah this one host i think gave a little bit better tension on this and that's honestly just because it's a different type of movie with a different type of protagonist if annie would shut the fuck up every once in a while i'm pretty sure i would feel a lot more tension than i normally do but since i don't i i just don't i am interested in sort of the backstories behind these movies and again this movie i think is only maybe about like 70 maybe 80 minutes it's super short so not a lot of backstory on what the monster, what the weird shit going on is, but I I don't know, I can't help but think that there's this sort of violent uh, monster thing that's sort of sucking the... Ah, I can't really explain it without going into the spoilers, but... Uh the name of the monster is called the parasite on imdb and when you follow that idea i can't help but think that there is just some reflection to the COVID 19 virus that this is something that can take out a bunch of people quickly it is debilitating in a way that is difficult to recover from that it leaves a lasting impression that is so easily transmissible that any droplet can uh basically any water droplet can transmit the virus and get somebody sick immediately and it's a very big russian roulette as to whether someone's going to have a lot of really 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 bad symptoms that ends up hospitalizing them or if they just treat it like the common cold but when you're talking about a minefield and people walking around you know that I guess that feeling of the minefield and that feeling of the constantly being hunted and that viscera, especially the viscera and the vomit and the all the gory bits being flung out everywhere. You know, people are thinking, six, people are finding it difficult staying six feet apart from somebody. Imagine if now there's projectile vomit involved. That's how horrifying this thing is. And I don't know, maybe I just... Kind of latched on. Maybe I'm way too latched onto this COVID thing, and ultimately it's just the the means to an end. Like COVID just allowed Savage and Crew to make this type of horror movie because that's what's going on. Or maybe there really is some demons being worked out just by looking at the state of the world and seeing what they can do and what type of character they're going to have in this. Like, if we're going to have somebody who wears their masks and who has hand sanitizer all the time, would they ever even accept the premise of the horror movie to begin with? No. you got to have somebody who really doesn't give a shit and is just willing to launch in with both feet in the water and say, ah, fuck it, whatever, let's go deal with the let's go deal with the madness of this monster movie uh so i, I must admit that i'm as interested in, as i am in this stuff just because of that context that on their own i can't really see myself returning to these films ever again just because if i'm looking at them as horror movies i've got better versions of this kind of stuff you know i watch host and I think of the Paranormal Activity movies, the especially the first three, which I really really love. And when I'm thinking about Dashcam, um, I'm also thinking about a uh, maybe it's because it's in England, but I'm thinking about like 28 Days Later, just the sort of zombie apoc, the whole apocalyptic feeling of the film. You know, there's a part where Annie's kind of walking through an airport, and as somebody who had not left the house during COVID's big surges. Uh, Seeing a completely empty airport is eerie on the level of a Romero movie. You know, God rest him. I wonder what Romero would have done with a COVID virus. Just, I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, that's going to be it. Thank you very much for listening. I very much appreciate it. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so. At the movies underscore pod. And I'm going to try to drop yet another episode today because I missed Tuesday's episode. I was just not... It's been a long week, guys. So I'm going to try to drop a couple episodes out today. I've got one on uh satire. Not really a satire. It's a his- comedy slash historical fiction about Nixon's Watergate. The missing 18 and a half minutes of Nixon's Watergate tapes called 18 and a half and then i've got this episode that i really want to bring out it's a documentary about this uh 2002 hijacking of chinese national news tv station by religious protesters it's uh the movie's called eternal spring and that movie watched it today kind of fucked me up so if you're want to stick around to listen to those just follow the podcast and oh if you're listening to this on apple can y'all leave a rating or review That'd be great. But anyway, until next time, y'all take care, okay? Bye.